The presenting sponsor for On Education is Schoology. Schoology is not only the best learning management system, it's also a community of lifelong learners. Join On Education at the Schoology Next Conference July 16th through 18th in San Diego, California. This is a chance to immerse yourself in hands-on workshops, advanced product training sessions, and best practice presentations. If you want to learn more about Schoology and how they can help you advance what's possible, visit Schoology.com. Google, calm down, okay? (laughs) Just cool it, guys. Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We're going to give you a preview of the Schoology Next conference, talk about the problems with ISTE, discuss the death of EdTech, and we will talk with the CEO of Tinker about his amazing company. But first, let's talk about the World Cup first. Oh my Mex- God. Mexico's out. <laughs> yes, that was a devastating day. It was a sad day. When was, was that? Sorry, I missed the I missed the game. Um, I want to say it was on Monday. Monday. So this past Monday, yep, it was Monday morning, and all the hopes and <laughs> prospects <laughs> were um, on that game, and it, there was nothing who did they really. Play? Sig- they played Brazil. Remember, I had told you okay. in a previous episode. I said. As long as we don't have to play Brazil in as the first round. As long as you don't round. have to play Brazil. So that <laughs> yes. didn't work out so well for you. That didn't work out well. We lost 2-0. to zero. Uh, The most significant part of the game was uh, there's this really famous uh, player for Brazil. His name is Neymar. I don't know if you've ever yes, heard of Yes, I've been seeing a lot about Neymar. Yeah, so that was the only significant part was him writhing on the ground, right. pretend, pretending that someone had... Like he's had, dying. Uh, yes, it's hurt him. Uh, Classic. <laughs> so badly, yes, exactly. So that was the only anything uh, remembering of the game. They were better than us, but the good part was that they lost to Belgium already, they did. <laughs> and so That's they're right. already so they're out. So they're not in the top four yeah. teams. So England is moving on. Yes, so my my motherland is is on to the semifinals. I yes, think? they're in the top That's four now. Exactly. And they're going against, not Belgium, it's France, right? They're going against they, France? They're going against France, and France is a tough oh. tough team, too. So that's that's a really good matchup. Awesome. And then, and then the, uh, happy that Russia is out, I guess. Yes, Russia's out. Croatia is in the top four, which is amazing. Um, and uh, that was actually a really amazing game. It was 2-2 two to two tied. They had to go into penalty. Uh, penalty shots at the end of the game and and Croatia was the victor so they move on yes and then so it's Croatia and Belgium so well there you go yeah there's your you know on your education podcast there's your world cup update (laughs) and Mexico's out so this type of service that we provide on education (laughs) you know if a sports center needs some people, we're, uh, I think we're available at least yeah. for another couple of weeks. Um, lots of so we're going to talk about a couple other um, cool blog posts, but tons of tons of post ISTE writing. Um, yes, a lot of that was super related. super interesting. And um, a, a friend friend of the pod, Noah, yes, Noah Giselle wrote a, a pretty awesome blog post about a panel at ISTE. Um, called uh, Epic Failures. Uh, how has an epic failure turned into a growth mindset? Um, super cool panel. 
with uh, another friend of the pod, Sarah Thomas, uh, was on yes. it. Um, and I, I love any any conversations about failure. I, I love talking about because um, of two things. First off, my entire teaching career has been centered around making mistakes and then fixing them uh, yes. or reiterating on them. When you when you teach programming and game design and in computer science, you're you're basically your whole experience is centered around failure in some way, shape, Absolutely. or form. Yes. Um, and being, you know, tech, doing technology integration, it's it's a lot of that too. It's a lot about figuring out what went wrong and, and fixing it. And um, I'm sure you have almost the same experience. I mean, you basically built a Minecraft Spanish program, which is friggin' unbelievable. Yeah, from I mean, nothing, right? Yeah, I would say that the and and what I think is the biggest thing about uh, teachers being okay with failure like think like trying things out like we've talked about in past shows and then having it not go exactly as you wanted but then being okay with that and then being able to revamp that and then and then uh, try it out you know a, a better version of that thing is that your kids also know that you're not perfect and that's a great right. thing to do right from the beginning because if you've ever had those teachers or professors that pretend that they are always right <laughs> Those are usually yes. people you don't that you don't really make a good connection with because they they seem like not you know human you know and and so I'm it's sure. good to be able to talk and say hey things sometimes don't go right you know whether it be like you just said about tech or it be something in a lesson it just it just doesn't work um, but just that whole concept of being okay with that and being able to learn and then being able to go ahead and you know like you just said get a new way of being able to introduce it the next time or the next day whatever you're working on and this panel uh sounds like it was amazing as far as uh how it it, the best part i thought was if you read this article by noah is they turned it around to the audience and let them actually go ahead and share with each other you know all of their things the things that they have experienced uh as far as with failure and how it ended up being in the end a big success um one of the things that i thought was super interesting with this was that it was uh an all women panel as well yes um and and you know um there are different life obviously there are different experiences especially i think surrounded around failure uh, and, and being a woman, not being a woman myself, I, I have a hard time, you know, I, I can't re- relate, but I, I want to try to understand that more, um, for sure. Yes. Um, and the idea that, that maybe, uh, failure is less accepted, um, by women in ed tech than yes. it is by men. Um, you know, the idea that men can be perceived as adventurous and, and risk-taking and women are perceived as incompetent or, yes. you know, prone, prone to mistakes. And obviously that's ridiculous. I mean, um, you know, you look at some of the amazing women we've spoken to even on this podcast and these are giants of, of women yes. and, and just, you know, completely incredibly special people. And, um, you know, I, I love the idea of, continuing to break down some of those stereotypes as well big time totally agree with you it was very 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 cool um so i'm gonna bring the twitter 
update this week. <laughs> this week on Twitter. <laughs> I got into a I got into a fight. Well, sorry. So I raised hell uh, on the on the last day of this. And you know how I know I raised hell is because people are still. I'm literally still getting like Replies. not only retweets but like comments on it. And it's been like what a week and a half. It's been a week since and a half. it's been over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I was quoted by uh, our friend Alice Keeler uh, as. You know, I, I was, I was, we were sitting around, we were just hanging out and yeah. I started to go on a rant about smart boards. Cause I, as Glenn, you said, I'm not known to go on rants at all ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mean, I'm not a fan of smart boards. Yeah. It is what it is. I, I, I think that they're misused and, and certainly were, were a giant waste of money. Now, that being said, um, I think as in almost all you know, rant-filled quotes um, and debates. Um, and including e- even, I, I guess, when we started t- t- talking about you and Teachers Pay Teachers and all that stuff, there's more nuance to it than the actual, like, giant hot take quote that sure. that it's, I said. It's it's always a... <laughs> and, of course, I do the exact same thing. It, we think it's a black and white argument, but there's so right. much, there's always gray. There's so much gray. Um, yes. It's so much different circumstances that uh, different people are experiencing yes. uh, in their, whatever their current environments, especially, I mean, we talk all the time about funding in the United States as far as how, yeah. how vastly different it is, not only from state to state, which is significant, but even just school to school district, uh, depending upon where you live, uh, the way the way that uh, teachers are paid and the way that funding takes place for uh, this example as far as ed tech type of things purchases right. you know uh, is so greatly different you know from district to district so it, their experiences are different so then this you know uh, an item like a smart board can be uh, you know a really hot button issue I would say. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I have a couple concessions, and I, and I guess the first thing I would say is that you know, smartboard the 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 boom of smartboards happened in an era in a time when there was no iPads. Yeah, there was well, I mean, no I think there was iPads. I think there was iPads. Actually, I I think people had some people had laptops. So there was a one to one in very few schools, though. You know what I mean? And uh, in some of these cases, smartboards were the only thing boards were approving. Like, yes. like literally, it was here. You can have this, but this and and, and this is what we're doing. So oh, yeah, totally take it or leave it, I guess. But or I mean, in some cases, you weren't given a choice. Uh, I can tell you that in a lot of cases, I mean, teachers wouldn't have been given a choice in in any board that I know of in Ontario. If if you were installing a smart board, if if the school decided or if the principal decided in some cases, yeah. but in most cases, if the board of education decided, then that's what's happening. You're oh, getting yeah, a smart totally. board. Yes, exactly. You were, <laughs> you were going to get trained on it, and that was the sort of it, it, yeah. Well, it just depended on on what you're yeah exactly what you're talking about, and it. This was right. for us. It was in, I mean, it was early two thousands when this yeah. when this happened, and I mean, and uh, my point was was basically that the the previous thing to smartboards for us was an overhead projector, 
Yes. Um, so, I mean, that was really, if you think about how different those two tools are, it just so, I mean, it just blows you away. And the smart board had this ability that we didn't have as far as in the past, which was, it was kind of like a, it reminded me of the the teacher storage part of, of an LMS. So in other words, it could keep your lessons and, and you'd have a way to be able to go into kind of track uh your your different lessons that you did throughout the year in a digital format for the first time you know unless you typed up everything on microsoft word uh, and it had an actual projector which we didn't we didn't have any you know video projecting devices so so when we purchased the smart board a projector came with it you know so that and that back then in the early 2000s that was about a thousand dollars two for the price of one yeah so so if you had about a thousand dollar device thing there Mm-hmm. How many iPads could you have got out of that back in the early 2000s? Maybe two. You know, so it wasn't like it was either a smart board or a class set of iPads. Of course, right. a class like set of iPads now. would have been amazing, you know. Yeah. Um, and so even the cheapest yeah. and, laptops back then were pretty expensive, I thought. I, I yeah, I remember sure. back to what they were. Yep. So in the absence of options, I can see that the smart board was... You know, the only game in town kind of yes. thing. Uh, and I I will also acknowledge, and I did, I, I totally conceded. I conceded that first option pretty quickly. And I also feel like I conceded the, uh, the idea that there are teachers that are using these things the way that they're supposed to be used. Oh, yeah. There are teachers that, that use them effectively. There are teachers that use them well. There, there are teachers that know how to use them. Um I, I just I really want people to acknowledge that like ninety five percent of teachers don't use them properly, don't use them well, and and don't they are they are screens. They well, are. honestly, we trained people, uh, Mike. It, it, there was no. I mean, I, I'll tell you this right now. I mean, because we received this the training from the smart board company on them, sure. and it was totally a teacher centered approach. Okay. I mean, as far as, as far as how we were training teachers to use these smart boards, right? Now, there was some interactive elements where you could bring kids up and then basically do some things on the board. Those right. were some, some trainings too. But for the most part, it was a teacher-centered approach. So that was early 2000s. So some teachers have made the transition to being like, okay, this is how I used to use it. That doesn't really work anymore. Now I want to use okay. it in a, a more, you know, whatever, in a station kind of thing. And it's in a, in a student-centered approach, however however that might uh, work within their yeah. classrooms. Um, but it's like what we always talk about, too, is that teachers need training to make that transition. So because, you know, as far as it, that's the tool that's available to them, now you need to revamp that tool and say, okay, let me move away from the front of the class, and now how am I going to make it a more whatever interactive, uh, student-centered yeah. classroom versus a yeah. teacher-centered classroom? It, I mean, yeah. If you have smart boards, you know, maybe see if you can figure out how to use them more effectively. If you're not, and it, you know, it is what it is. I, I still, yeah. Hot well, it, takes on hot takes on Twitter get you in trouble. That's the yeah. And, I, and you know what's the, I mean? Last hot take on this one is this: is that some school boards invested in those smart boards early two thousands, right? Fifteen years yes. ago, let's say. Yeah. And they still expect that investment to carry 
through to today, which that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? They've lasted 15 years, but they're not reinvesting in right. something that's currently happening. And that happens right. a lot in rural uh, Minnesota. It happens, I'm sure, in urban uh, settings where there's just a limited amount of funds. Um, right. It's not so like that, they can buy anything new. No, so. This is this is the thing. You know, still so the like, only game in town for some teachers. Yes, and that's and that's the crazy. Biggest, but yes, yeah, it's crazy. Thus, thus, pledge sense and and our friends at uh, over yeah. there doing doing cool stuff doing to help very people cool buy stuff. things. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about our next conference that we're going to uh, Schoology Next happening in San Diego next week. On Education's ISTE coverage is brought to you by Teacher Gaming. Mike, we're giving away a one-year subscription to Teacher Gaming. So Teacher Gaming has like 30 games, tons of games. Uh, one year is probably just enough time to play all of them, hopefully. Yes. That, I mean, this is just ridiculous. To enter, all you simply need to do is tweet a pic of your favorite game of all time. It could be a board game, a video game, whatever it is. Catan. Yeah, Catan. To at Teacher Gaming and tag on Education Pod, tag us, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Even if you aren't the winner, though, this giveaway, you can still get a 30-day free trial, and all you need to do is go to TeacherGaming.com. You'd still be a winner to us. Yes, you are still a winner. All right, welcome back. Well, uh, Schoology Next is next. Uh, we are going to be at the Schoology Next conference in San Diego on uh, the 15th of July, uh, all the way to the 18th of July. I think I leave on the on the 19th uh, in uh, Carlsbad. I don't even know where Carlsbad is, but I, I'm about to find out. Um, <laughs> <It's a> little... <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard it's like an hour north of San Diego. That's, yes. that's all I know. That is the, the limit of my knowledge. And uh, so I'm pretty pumped about this. I went to school G next last year, and it was it was pretty great. I don't know how many years. How many years have you been going to school G next, Glenn? That that was it. It was last year. But so but last year was your first conference. as well. Exactly. It's a unique conference, smaller than uh, you know, let's like, say, of course, a lot smaller than like ISTE, but mm -hmm. it's very much like a family atmosphere. So if you if you've never gone and you're a school G user. And you have the opportunity to go. You should definitely go. I mean, it just just the ability to be able to. It feels like you can talk to anybody. I think that's the best part. It's it's small, right? Like it's yes. not a huge conference like ISTE. There's there's going to be a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred people at the most there. Yep. Um, and and I mean, Glenn and I are both power users of Schoology, and we're we're both Schoology ambassadors, um, and we I, I'm a contract trainer for Schoology, so I actually, um, you know, teach other schools and districts how to use Schoology, um, and Schoology is sponsored by <laughs> Schoology sponsors this podcast. Yes. So this is a really friendly environment for us. It's gonna be it's totally different, right? Than ISTE at ISTE, you know, you're swarmed by like there's just there's more people in the friggin' line for Starbucks <laughs> than than are going to attend. Than are next. going to school G next. Um, <laughs> so that that that'll tell you how long the stupid Starbucks line was. It is oh, anyways God, yeah. uh, that we joked about all the time. Um, but this is a super friendly environment for us. We we have lots of friends there. We know lots of people. Um, we have lots of great relationships with. You know, not just the the attendees, but people, 
you know, that work at Schoology listen to this podcast. Hi, guys. Um, so this is, I, I'm excited. I'm really excited. This is this is a fun event, I think. Oh, it's abs- super fun. And they make it where it is high energy, uh, even through each of the evenings with all kinds of events and all kinds of different things to go ahead and make sure that we have opportunities to to be able to really talk to each other, you know, where I think that's real, where those relationships grow and and then you can connect after the conference um, on a variety of different things. So it's not just, uh, you know, if people are thinking, like, okay, so it's what do you do at one of these conferences? not related specifically to just the platform. Schoology is more like it's basically a big old professional learning network, you know, uh, on a variety of different topics as, as can be shown by our our content that we're presenting. I'm not presenting on anything that has to do specifically with uh, using Schoology. Um, I'm doing two sessions related to gamification and game-based right. learning. So, um, and and you're doing your session that you had done at ISTE also. Yeah. So I'm I'm literally just doing virtually the same session I I did at ISTE. I'm going yes. to cut out a little. bit bit and and add some stuff related to how I actually formulate the class inside Schoology. Sure. I I think that Schoology is actually a really good platform for project-based learning. Um, And and because I do almost like all of my curriculum, even the stuff not in grade eight is project-based. Yes. Um, I I love Schoology. Schoology has changed my life. Like, and I'm not trying to be like rhetorical about that. I really think that I couldn't deliver the project the way I deliver it as effectively if it wasn't for Schoology. I I really think that. And so I want to talk about how I develop a year-long project inside of Schoology um, because I think that it's it's really quite a great tool for doing that stuff. I want to – listen, listen, you're glossing over your session – and I'm not going to let you get away with it too much. First off, <laughs> the friggin' name of this thing is called Gamification the Musical. Yes, it's quite an endeavor. <laughs> we're we're starting to go into a little bit of panic mode because we're about a week out from having to do it. And Did you bite uh, off a little more than you can chew? Um, it's, it's a lot of stuff to do. I mean, uh, basically, Jared Lopatin and I are uh, have rewritten... Uh, a bunch of pop, uh, let's call it pop karaoke type songs. Um, And we've uh, turned all the lyrics into uh, gamification and game-based learning themes. I guess that's the best way to be able to describe it. Yeah. Um, And so... It's it's basically a musical. <laughs> we have uh, you know like a little a skits that go between the session, the each oh, of the songs. Boy. The we have uh, the the we're expecting the crowd to sing along with us. So we have ah. the lyrics and stuff up for everybody to come and sing along at least on the chorus sections. Oh, that's exciting. Um, it it's it's a whole production. <laughs> It's quite quite a production. I'll tell you, I I had that hot take on Twitter. Uh, You know, I I definitely think it's the best session title I've ever heard. Uh, And anyone who... I I actually am trying to flip through the the schedule uh, to see how many people are attending it so far. I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can see yours. I can see mine. So I know that there are like 40 people. See, look. Oh, my God, dude. 
86 people so far have signed up for Gamification the Musical. And and that's even before they watched the video that you already watched. <laughs> no pressure, buddy. No pressure. Yes, there's a video that by the time this comes out uh, yes. is going to be on YouTube. I've already seen it. Um, yes. And you I'll tell you, uh, we're going to put it in the show notes so that you can uh, sing along with Glenn and Jared. Yes. Who are, it's are hilarious. Going to, uh, yes, it is hilarious. <laughs> It's very fun. It made and, me smile. I woke up Jared this morning. Is, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I was just saying, we, we're do, sorry, we're doing the podcast at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, Eastern <laughs> Time, 7 o'clock um, Central. Um, Glenn is tired because um, he's homeless. And, <laughs> well, not I'm tired, homeless. I'm homeless. tired and homeless. <laughs> tired and homeless. Um and, and listen, waking up in the morning and 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 watching uh, Jared and, and Glenn sing to me um, <laughs> made me so happy. So, so happy. Yeah, all I was going to um, say was Jared is like an amazing uh, lyricist. It's just some of the stuff that he Did he, he write the lyrics he, for the he's, thing? He's written the lyrics to, I think we're going to do, I, w- I want to say six or seven different songs, which it doesn't include the Be Our Guest song that you'll see uh, on YouTube. We're not going to do that song. That was just a like a little preview of what we we're going to do. But anyway, right. he's written the lyrics to all of the songs except for one. <laughs> and, Fabulous. And, and his lyrics are so amazing. Yes. Really, really good. Well, I'm sitting at the front. And uh, I, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be excited. Yeah, we it's, want everybody singing along and having fun. That's really what it's about. I mean, we're gonna provide some some materials that you can take with you afterwards. But really, the are. session is about. We go to so many different sessions as as people that go to different conferences, and sometimes it's hard to even remember what you went to, right? Uh, yeah. So this one is basically something that you will remember, have fun in. And just leave, like you just said, with a smile. That's really what our point, what our our goal is. There's some other cool sessions on on project based learning. Um, yeah. Um, Bob is doing a session on project based oh, learning. Very cool. Uh, that I'm gonna go to to see if I can get some tips. I love the sessions on like the visual tweaks and tricks and things like that. I learned so. Probably my biggest takeaway from 17 was going to the sessions that showed you like how to hack Schoology sort of. Yes. Um, love those ones. So I'm going to go to those ones for sure because I think that um, any way that you can make Schoology a little bit more visually interesting and not remind kids that it's a, a learning management system and that's where all their grades are, sure. um, that's a good thing. Yeah, the one so, that I'm, I'm interested in is another one that has to do kind of with gamification. It's Jeremy Mahoney. He's has one about uh, leveling up your professional development Nice, um, yes. And it just looks good. Yeah. It talks about badges and uh, essential items for successful gamification, how to create your own game. So I'm definitely going to attend that. And and then we were going to talk about the keynote speaker. Yeah. Uh, that's Catlin Tucker. And okay. she is uh, well known for blended learning. That's what we were, we were looking up as we were researching her. Um, and so that should be really interesting. I want to see what she, how she talks about that in relation to Schoology. Yeah, I think that there's opportunities there for sure to do do a lot of different stuff with blended learning. And, and she's literally wrote the book on this. So, yes, several. Uh, counting on her to, to drop some knowledge pretty hard on us. And uh, 
And I think that Schoology Next is going to be so exciting. Uh, I, I'm awesome. a little sad to be going alone. We wanted to bring my family, but uh, you know, the, just as with ISTE, uh, these some of these conferences are pretty expensive. When you oh, have God, a yeah. conference on a resort in California, um, there are costs. Yes, so, big costs. Big costs. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that when we're there. Yes. So we are doing a show. We we might actually do two, but we're both kind of glenn's way more busy than i am i'm 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 telling you the truth i'm gonna sit at the pool um but um i would love to do we're at least gonna do one and we're kind of working with schoology on doing it we're gonna do it outside and get some speakers so that people can hear it and participate and we're gonna bring on um some of our uh friends uh from schoology that are using schoology awesome teachers yes awesome 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 teachers bob uh, Stephen uh, Rao uh, is in, uh, and a bunch of others. Jared, obviously, we would have to get him on, um, and so many others um, that we're really excited to talk to, and we'll have kind of short five or so minute conversations with them. Uh, I'm also counting on us talking to uh, some of the uh, folks from Schoology, so uh, we're going to have a pretty fun show. Hopefully, it'll be interactive, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a game. We can oh. play with the audience cool. while they're listening to the podcast, a la um, "Love It or Leave It" style. Oh yeah, uh, that might be that might be fun. So we'll see what we can do. I got a week to figure it out. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so when we come back, uh, we're gonna go through a bit of our thoughts on Yassi, but more importantly, we're gonna recap some some really interesting blog posts that have uh, popped up uh, post conference about the conference and its direction. On Education is brought to you by Audible. Mike, what have you been reading lately? And I suppose you're you're kind of like me, where you have quite a few books that you have on your list. I have too many books on my list. I have <laughs> probably about 40 audiobooks on my queue. And um, between listening to podcasts and audiobooks, uh, I am well stocked. Um, lots of cool books are on Audible. Hundreds and thousands of titles. And you can get your own audiobook download for free uh, if you go to audibletrial.com slash oneducation. That's audibletrial.com slash oneducation. And you can get a free audiobook download. You should go do that, like, right now. All right, welcome back. So, ISTE is over. Um, 24,000-ish people. And... Uh, lots of interesting articles have come out about ISTE. Um, you know, uh, kind of follow-up articles, reflection articles. And uh, we've, we've pulled out two, and they uh, happen to be by the exact same person, Mike Crowley. Uh, it's at Crowley underscore Mike. Uh, and, and he's on... Um, these articles were on Medium. We're going to put the posts in the show notes. Yes. Um, but the first one was titled The Problem with ISTE. And I think that um, one of the things I'm going to do, I, I think I'll just read this quote, but uh, it says, uh, quote, but perhaps my ningling, sure. I, didn't, I yep. don't know if I typed that right, ningling sense that there really is a problem with ISTE resides in the overwhelming expo hall where countless vendors compete to sell their wares and from which there seeps a corporate ethos that seems to overwhelm the educational agenda. That's yeah. pretty tough language, <laughs> um, I, th I think. Um, 
I don't find myself always agreeing uh, with this this article and even with the other one, but I mean, I don't know. Let let me let me get this out anyways, and then then I'll I'll let you I'll let you go. I, I think that one of the things that not a lot of teachers go to a lot of this is a standard industry conference to me. Like I I went to these before before I was a teacher. There, this is actually better than a standard industry conference because at least there's learning being done and learning happening. But expo halls are pretty common, and these are companies that are trying to to some of them are trying to do really interesting things, and this is the best way in some cases for them to get out their word uh, and show people their products. I mean, you can't do everything one person at a time, uh, unfortunately, and it's just not cost effective. And you know, paying five thousand dollars for a booth and and then you know going there for a weekend and maybe dropping 10 grand on a small booth might be the best way for you to spend 10 grand i mean 10 grand to travel you know around the united states you know talking to classroom by classroom will disappear pretty quickly um i get that it feels a little you know um corporate-y yep <laughs> But, it, but it, yeah, I guess I guess the biggest thing is it. You know, he said overwhelming expo hall. Oh my, it is super overwhelming. <laughs> but it is the biggest ed tech conference, right? Like you had said, in the United States for sure, if not the world. Right. That, that's the place where everyone is going to go to, and the bigger that you are, as far as in that space, it's almost like you had that much. It, didn't it feel like to you that you had that much of land or uh, space in at the conference? So your your Googles and your Microsofts, you know, yeah, you have these huge spaces because yep. you do have, have lots that, of stuff. Yeah, you have this many uh, types of products to be able to uh, show off to teachers to show kind of how it connects to specifically to education. I think a lot of them, almost everybody that I saw out there was were doing sessions that actually we're teaching people things a hundred percent even okay. at the i'm at the view sonic booth looking at the view sonic booth these guys sell monitors yes and there's alice doing google slide sessions yes in the view sonic booth yeah it was totally you know, teaching right hundred percent teaching like and alice doesn't do a lot of like um fluff presentations it's not a lot it's literally here's how you use google slides let me show you this yes uh like i'll give her credit for for that like her her sessions were pretty informationally dense and dense in terms of like like actual things you can take away and use and this was at the view sonic booth again they sell monitors yes yes she, the only thing that was being <laughs> done there as far as hockeying monitors was the fact that the session was on a friggin monitor yeah i, I mean it was great. And like when you look at some of the other places, the EdTech team booth, they had a huge booth, but it was almost entirely centered around a giant screen and a little amphitheater for, for people to sit and attend sessions from people like Holly Clark and Tanya Averth, who are brilliant. And and Jenny McGarra, I mean, God, I, I'll sit and listen to them talk about anything they want me to listen to anytime. Um, so... You know, I and and then there was you know the Microsoft booth, and they they literally had Minu there doing Minecraft sessions. And I mean, it's like I don't see it as necessarily a bad thing. It's 
you know, go to it, go to other trade conferences, and you'll see a lot more worthless hawking of wares sure. than you saw at ISTE. Guaranteed. You should have just walked across to the North Building where they were selling food. And <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? We walked through there. It was a food expo for frozen food. How exciting is that going to be? Um, you know, at least there was interesting stuff happening and, and learning, I, I think, happening. Um, so, I mean, I, I get it, I, I, but it's big. I think that the problem with this is creating realistic expectations. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I guess before you go to ISTE, you should hyper-focus on a couple of different things that you're going to be attending or listening to or connecting with certain people Yeah. versus – I think if you just go there, you would just be so overwhelmed. You won't even – you know, it's – it's too overwhelming. You don't even know where to begin. You know, kind of that thing. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely takes some planning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other article was also by Mike Crowley, and he he titled it a, another um, pretty serious <laughs> title: "The Death of EdTech." Bum bum bum. I'm gonna here, the, it, it, and it's centered around this 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 hyped up announcement that Google made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that they, they, they said it was going to like change the world or whatever. Like most things that, you know, they would announce, you know, we're going to disrupt disruption or whatever. I don't know. Um, actually that's a good way to put it because this was talking about locking, uh, Google forms in, uh, when you're using it as a tool to create quizzes, which I don't, but you know, I suppose that people do, uh, lots of people do, I'm sure. Um, and and he was just a little annoyed that we hyped up this idea that we're locking kids in to, to a, a, a quiz, which is, you know, pretty much exactly the same as we've always done. And sure. it prevents students from doing, you know, searches and empowerment. Um, he says, what one must ask is the tough problem being solved here that inspires innovation, prohibiting students from cheating on traditional assessments using expensive tech tools to perform very basic 20th century tasks. The death of ed tech, anyways. Yes. Um, um, yeah. No, I, I actually agree with him that yeah. that's not that big of an announcement. I mean, no, I saw it. We both not. saw it. We're like, oh, so? You know, that's not that big of a deal. <laughs> but it does solve a problem that if you were only using Google Forms for formative assessments, let's just say, um, and and you didn't want someone to just quickly Google the answer to something, Yeah. I guess, I mean, that does solve that issue it's just that it's not that big of an announcement it's not a world shattering disruptive solution to no because that should already be standard exactly (laughs) well the idea that there wasn't really even a problem that needed to be solved here i think that you know if you don't want your kids to cheat on a google forms quiz just you know walk around be a classroom manager for god's sake or even better, rewrite the test and quiz and don't give them anything that's Googleable. Make sure that it's something that they have to formulate a higher a level. Real answer. Uh, yeah, a higher thinking idea or actually solve something that's not 
just a canned response. A canned response won't work, you know, in that type of a right. situation, uh, which you can do in Google Forms. I mean, definitely. There's open uh, short essay, open response questions, questions you can add a file. You know, you can upload a file so they can add an image or a, whatever it might be so they can work within another platform and submit right. it within uh, the uh, Google Forms. All of those are great solutions. If if you're so hardcore that you wanted to lock them down in a five question quiz, then you can do that now. <laughs> it's yeah, just well, that it, you know. it's just that it doesn't it doesn't feel like a big announcement. You know, it doesn't feel like something like we're going to announce at ISTE this amazing thing that we did. Yeah, newsflash: this was not the iPhone X. No, um, you know, I think that Google <laughs> fell into the trap of of you know trying to hype things to teachers who you know aren't buying their you know bs kind of thing you know tell us what it can be done tell us what to do with it um tell us the problem it's solving you know but don't tell us it's the next big thing and you know whatever i sorry i don't and we've talked about this a little bit actually while we were just kind of walking around i i just don't get up for google anymore it's not it's not waking me up in the morning and you know i'm not losing my mind over training for google forms or google sites or google sheets i mean there's what, interesting things be, that can be done but what's because it's it well it's because it's already it's a standard in our industry do you know what right I mean? so if you're not right. already using it then i guess yes all that training does is important because you're yes. not using it to its fullest potential yes. but it's now become kind of a standard you know it yes. is it is the go-to you know I would say it's superior to the the Microsoft equivalents of any of those, just because of the collaborative 100%. nature of it. You know, and it's so it's a standard in in education, if not in yeah. multiple industries, uh, because of its collaborative nature. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And and yeah, I just don't go crazy for Google stuff. Anyway. <laughs> it is what it is. So I mean, Google, calm down. Okay, just. <laughs> cool it guys locking down google forms is not disrupting anything god Ugh. so anyways uh two really good articles we'll link them in the show notes they're really good super interesting um there was a lot of other um post kind of stuff uh, i think despite everything we heard from jennifer reagan for uh when who was on the show yes and answered the question um, which was great. It was it was classy of her to 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 take the question and uh, answer it about about cost and cost is cost and it was high. It was expensive. Uh, we dropped super expensive. We dropped close to thirty five hundred dollars just between the two of us. Yes. At ISTE, maybe even a little bit more. It could have been closer well, to four. Well, what's like, it cost to just buy your ticket? Eight hundred dollars. Right. Yes. It's so much money. Yes. And hotels oh, and God. Ubers everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't walk anywhere um, because of locations. But and, and like, um, oh, my God, just and food and like it, it costs a lot of money. Yep. And I can't imagine bringing like a group of teachers, a whole team and paying for that unless it was literally the only PD you did. And listen, if it's the only PD you do that, that. That's probably a little scary too. You, you can make you can make it worthwhile though, like I said, but it's got to oh, yeah. be really well planned out, you yes. know, by your team, uh, t- and then you have to really 
you know, catch your your sessions really early. You know, you got to get there really early to so make sure you yeah. actually get in. Line um, Yep. You got to have sessions. everything all lined up. And then and I guess, too, just like you just described, you could also use the those booths as part of your professional development because there's a ton yes. of stuff going on at those. You know, school, yeah. you had a bunch of things they were doing. Google had their own things. You know, we just talked about the stuff that's, you know, and these are really worldwide speakers that are actually yeah. – uh, being uh, held inside the, the 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 booths areas, which is yep. awesome. You're talking about fifteen to thirty people at some of those, you know. So you really get a yes. You can ask questions, you know, of, of these people where you wouldn't be able to at a normal conference. Hundred percent. So, uh, and they are creating some smaller events. This was one of the my favorite little pieces of news from ISTE was that they're they've announced that they're going to um, develop some small conferences um that are more catered specifically to um uh, a subject or a topic uh and they're going to be um uh less expo hall uh and hopefully less cost and certainly smaller lines at starbucks so (laughs) um these are good things i I think that i i enjoyed myself i had a lot of fun um i'm glad i went um uh, and it, you know we did some really good work uh, at ISTE, uh, and I, I, I'll do it again next year because I think it was a great event. It, it was totally worth going, um, but definitely for um, there are issues, and there's always going to be issues, and, and certainly we should keep talking about them because they're uh, they're worth talking about and they're interesting stuff. Yes, absolutely, man. So when we come back, uh, we did, uh, speaking of ISTE, we did an interview with the uh, CEO of uh, programming slash coding slash learn to code platform Tinker, and we will be uh, talking to him. Friends, On Podcast Media is getting set to launch not one, but two new podcasts this summer. And we're excited to tell you about the first one, On Politics. On Politics is hosted by politician, professor, and human rights lawyer, Craig Scott. On Politics will take deep dives into policy and politics. You definitely come away learning something every week. To stay up to date with On Politics, follow the show's Twitter account, at OnPoliticsPod. All right, welcome back, guys. We are here with uh, Krishna, who's the uh, CEO for Tinker, which uh, I'm a big fan of. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So um, for people who aren't at ISTE, this is, this is kind of what we're trying to do is, is get people a sense of, of who's all here and, and what they're doing and what they're trying to teach people or show people. Uh, tell um, our listeners uh, a little bit about Tinker, what you guys do, kind of the broad, the broad picture. So Tinker is a coding platform used by more than 80,000 schools around the world yeah. to teach coding to kids and connect coding to other subject areas like science, math, language arts, and, and history. Um, Tinker is available both online using browser as well as on apps on Android and iOS. Um, <clears throat> Tinker is designed so that the students learn most of the coding on their own mm-hmm. and the teachers have a full view of where the learning is um, through their dashboards from at, at an individual student level as well as a classroom level or a school level. Um, we provide uh, free coding courses to get the school started, and we give all the online hosting of coding as well as tools for free for all schools. But if they choose to, we provide a premium option in which we give them 
great, great specific programming curriculum, mm-hmm. as well as curriculum to connect coding to subject areas, yeah. as well as assessment. Yeah, you guys tie a lot of that stuff to specific things, and your, your user interface is really friendly, where you can see... You know, if you want to do social studies, what you can what you can tie to that that's related to, it's like code. You're doing the learn to code stuff, but you're also doing some code to learn stuff. And, Absolutely, and we want kids. Our our vision is to help kids become makers, use coding as a tool, yeah, but not to become a software engineer, which seems to be the craze these days. Right, right, yes. right. I mean, yeah, using. Uh, um, technology. We actually just came from a, a, an ISTE thing where they spent a lot of time talking about um, integrating technology, not in this way that seems forced, but in this way that seems natural. The way that where it's second nature for coding and technology to be part of the curriculum. And that's a little bit, I guess, about what you guys are trying to do. Um, and so my first connection to Tinker came through Computer Science Education Week. So I've been running a, um, a, a thing a, a for Computer Science Education Week, which is in December, yeah, uh, usually of every, of, of every year. Uh, and, it, and it involves, yeah, the Hour of Code and Code.org. Tell us um, a little bit about what you guys do, for how you got hooked up with Code.org, what you do there, and then also, you know, the broad, again, the broad picture of Computer Science Education Week and what you guys do. Absolutely. And Tinker is a five-year-old company, so when CS Ed Week and Code.org started Hour of Code, yeah. we're the first ones who gave the curriculum for Hour of Code uh, through Code.org. And uh, basically, we give them gamified tutorials for different age grade groups, yeah. whether it is elementary or to middle school, uh, in different levels of expertise. And kids in that one-hour experience, they'll be able to, students will be able to learn basics of computing. Yeah. And just to give you some stats, in the last five years, more than 120 million students around the world use Tinker. We're probably the number one tutorial provider on Hour of Code. Um, The reason these tutorials are really good, uh, just like, is that we branded them with like uh, Hot Wheels or... Yes, my kids love the Hot Wheels one. (laughs) Monster High or like uh, virtual drone programming and things like that. So that kind of gives them... I think all along our goal is like we focus on interest-driven learning. Kids have different interests, whether it's flying drones and making robots or modding Minecraft. So we want them to learn through the interests they prefer versus forcing them to learn coding the means that we want them to. That's it. That's exactly it. Um, speaking of, you led me right into it. Minecraft. Good, good, good man. Um, <laughs> I mean, you guys are doing some rad stuff with Minecraft Education Edition, like really, really, really cool stuff. We're, we're, we're friends with Steve Isaacs, and, and he's been telling us about it. And So, I mean, go crazy. Tell us everything about this, because <laughs> I think that this is one of the coolest things you guys are doing right now. So I think when Minecraft Education Edition came with coding, that we offered them interactive tutorials uh, in which kids can actually learn to code by modding Minecraft. Mm-hmm. So they have a offering called Minecraft Education Edition, which yeah. uh, provides coding, but we also have taken Minecraft to the next level besides the Education Edition. In our thing, we actually host private servers for kids, so they actually mod real Minecraft as well, even though if, if they don't have Minecraft Education account accounts, they can mod Minecraft using our servers. They can also do uh, create, like, so if you have Minecraft, they have lots of creatures like chickens and pigs and now aquatic edition have aquatic creatures. So what we've done, we actually created a macro language where kids can actually program these creatures, for example. 
You know, if you attack my chicken, it'll get angry and throw a <laughs> fireball at you. It's basically we're teaching them object-oriented programming on how to modify behaviors using code. So this goes well and, you know, obviously we love Minecraft education. They provide, you know, beautiful experiences for kids, but we also take in that experience to the next level. Um, so if people want to, we try to talk a lot on our podcast about barrier-free entry paths to um, technology and, and any product, any product that we ever talk about, if we were reviewing something or whatever, what is the most barrier-free way to get involved in that. So how can people, if they want to jump in and, and do something with Tinker, where do they go? What do they do? How do they do it? So for educators, there is two different ways. One, they can be online if they're using Chromebooks or browser-based um, um, devices. They mm -hmm. can just go online to tinker.com, sign up as a teacher. You get two free courses, whether it is for elementary school or middle school. You get a lot of um, tutorials for, um, you know, uh, based on like Father's Day, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, lots of uh, seasonal tutorials, our code tutorials, all that stuff. That's one way to mm -hmm. get started. And you have a full, you set up, you can connect your Google Classroom or you can set up, a, upload a simple spreadsheet or Clever. There are different ways of setting up a classroom based on. And then on iPads, we also provide um, uh, as part of Everybody Can Code program, two free courses. Mm -hmm. So you just have an iPod Tinker app, download it. You just set up your class online and then they have uh, students log in and they're able to run through the whole course on their own. Mm -hmm. And then you have full access to where they are, each student, and metrics, assessment metrics, and if they're stuck, you'll be able to know the progress of the students. Mm -hmm. So that's the best way to get started. And if they really like what they see and Tinker experiences, then they can you know, purchase our premium options, whether it's elementary or middle school, which comes with both great specific programming courses as well as STEM courses to connect programming and makerspace courses like Lego Robotics, drone programming. And now just uh, at ISTE we're introducing an AR programming course. So um, both kids cool. who have I, you know, Chromebooks or browsers or iPads, they'll be able to program AR. Like for example, when they build a game, they're in the game using the camera hmm. and awesome. interact with the characters. So it's super fun. Um, we also acquired a company last year called Python Room to do a higher level middle, middle and junior high school um, courses. Okay. So we're introducing two new courses this fall for HTML, CSS, learning to HTML, CSS, as well as Python. Uh, advanced Python. Hmm. So a lot of that with the new, uh, like, so if you get into middle school, the kids want, students want different IDs, just like professional looking IDs. I, I teach some grade eights yes. that, that want to learn some Python. They don't want to use block coding anymore. No, so we they're, have, like, they're done with Scratch. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we are giving them <laughs> specific tools that look like a programmer tools, just like any other programmer uses, right. but a little bit dumbed down, not that complex. Yeah. And so that they have pathways into... Uh, Scaffolded properly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Amazing. Uh, awesome. Krishna, thanks for joining us. This has been great. Lots of good information there. Um, folks, uh, yeah, tinker.com, go check it out. Uh, really, really great tool. I've been using it for a while, and I couldn't recommend it enough. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. On Education is an on-podcast media production. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Urban. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod, 
Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JK Radio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.